one of the worst things that you can do is say, okay, well, I have this idea and, you know, my genre that I'm writing in usually calls for 100,000 words, but then you realize your idea isn't really big enough and then you try and write a 100,000 word novel when really your idea can only support about 40,000 words. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers, and this is the Taylor Stevens Show with Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. You sound like you're in a hurry today, Taylor. Are we under some time pressure recording this? (laughs) No, words are always precious, though. (laughs) Steve, I got to ask you. How was basketball? Rumor has it, not that I watch, not that I'm aware, rumor has it there were some upsets or something. Well, let's just say that every team that I was rooting for and every team that I had going into the finals is out of it and was out of it after the first day and a half. But there were some fantastic games, but uh, I am not doing very well in my pool. Oh, I, I guess this so. Is I don't really I'm care to talk about it any longer. Okay, if you don't cool. mind, <laughs> I know you're you devastated. Know, I'm, I'm, I'm like dabbing my forehead here, going, "Okay, shoot, escape that one." <laughs> there was last night. I couldn't stay up late enough to watch it, but there was a game where I think with 36 seconds left, a team was ahead by 12 and somehow managed to lose. Ow. Yeah. I've never seen that before, and uh, I've seen a lot of basketball. Wow. But uh, enough of this basketball stuff. I've had it with basketball (laughs) until next season now. (laughs) All right, Taylor, this is the start of a three-episode series. We hope, right? We hope, yes. Uh, We we have three episodes planned out, but, you know, the way things go, this may turn into a 19-episode series on this single topic. Who knows? Or it may be a uh, one-episode seriesette. Is that a word? Can we call it a seriesette if it's only one episode? You know what? We're writers. We get that license (laughs) to just make stuff up, right? But we're talking about the big idea of which ideas deserve development. Uh, For many writers, uh, you, for example, uh, your writing schedule is essentially or has been uh, a year for each book. Yeah. And for a lot of people, a lot of traditionally published authors in particular, there's an investment of about a year's worth of time in a book. So you don't want to just pick an idea because it seems like a good idea and start writing. There must be some process that we go through to select the right idea. So uh, let's start off with, with this. How is any idea a good idea? Um, I think any idea can be a good idea if it's framed in the right way or told the right way. But um, it's a, it's something that you can't, I think you can't just go into and go, Oh, I have this idea and then just pound it out because I think where you're getting at is, I mean, whether it takes two months or a year to write a book, it's still a big investment of time. You don't want to get halfway through it and realize that your idea isn't big enough to carry the whole book. And then you've got to scratch it and either start with something else or gut the thing and start over. Right. That's where we're coming from. Because that's, that's where I'm kind of sort of at myself right now, where I just started writing 
one time and thought I had an idea and it evolved into a bigger idea. And then when it's done, it's like, wow, this wasn't really an idea at all. What was I, what was I doing? Now what do I do? Do I write something else or do I, as you described, gut it and, uh, and spend the months necessary to do that? Yeah. And like, that's going to be individual to each person. But I think like, um, people who've already been writing for a while and have gone from start to finish on any idea, whether it's a short story or a novella or a novel, they start to get a feel for um, what's going to work and what's not going to work and whether the idea can carry the weight of the story or not. Whereas, um, so this question is mainly for those who haven't finished or who finished and just were like, that was awful. I, you know, what, where did I go wrong? And, um, a lot of times ideas, some people have so many ideas, they don't know what to do with them, uh, which is a wonderful position to be in. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of times these ideas, they stem from real life things. You know, um, somebody will have something happen to them and a friend or family will go, oh, my God, you should write a book about that. And, and I do hear that a lot at, at writers conferences and stuff where people will say, you know, well, I had this experience and it's just, you know, it, it just needs to be told. And for the most part, real life stories should don't do well in fiction. They just don't. Um, you know, whether your family, like just a hypothetical example, you know, some family that's just gone through the ringer with a bank, um, you know, about to lose their house and how the bank just screwed them over time and time again and, and on and on and on. And it's just like a saga. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, this is this is a story. Well, it's it's not a story for fiction, because the reason people read fiction is to escape into something different than their real life. So while real life can be the basis, and often is the basis for many ripped-from-the-headlines thrillers or, or other stories, it's not based on a real-life example to the point of where you're following it dot to dot. And the problem with real life and, and trying to convert something you experienced into fiction is the tendency to want to stay true to what actually happened. And that doesn't work in fiction. It, real life is very long and drawn out and boring. <laughs> and um, I experienced this myself with Writing the Innocent, which is the second novel in the Monroe series. And, you know, so many people have asked me, you know, are you going to write a memoir? Are you going to write a biography? And I just don't really want to because I feel like the story of what happened to me growing up is so much bigger than me. And so I felt that fiction was actually my best way of telling the story. But to do that, I had to separate myself entirely from staying identical to path to path with the truth. I had to take multiple scenarios and multiple people and multiple timelines and fictionalize them and find a way to weave them all together while still staying as true as possible to real life. And the only way that it, it worked in The Innocent, the only reason that it worked in The Innocent is because I was able to detach from it the real life emotion of it enough to write it as a thriller based on some events that had happened in real life. So for the most part, if you have a story that an idea is like this happened in real life to me or someone I know, take a good step back and go, can this really carry a book? And am I able to get as detached from it as I need to be to turn it into something that didn't actually happen? Um, the other thing is um, sometimes people have a, an, a, something they're very passionate about and they want to put that passion into 
story form. And that can be a really, really good way to tell a story. But whether or not it can carry a book, um, that, that, that depends on how creative you are as a storyteller to bring and create people to life in a scenario that, that actually engages the reader and doesn't sound preachy in this, this idea that you're passionate about. And so one of the things that I do when I know, like all of my, my books so far have dealt with a specific location, they've dealt with a specific topic that kind of weave together. And so lots of times I'll have a location, but I won't have the topic necessarily. And it is, um, you know, those, those topics will come to me over time through real life, things that I've read, but they're not real life stories. And so what I do is, you know, we've talked before in the past about my questionnaire that I fill out. And especially if I have an idea that's underdeveloped, there are questions on this questionnaire that help me and probably could help other people figure out, is this idea actually big enough to carry a book? And, and you start just by asking yourself, well, what is it that matters to me? What, what do I want to talk about? Because even a thriller that is just brain candy is still going to have some topic, whether it's terrorism or, um, you know, domestic abuse or whatever the situation is, that is the, that is the topic that's going to run through that book. So, as, as an author, if you're not already familiar with that topic, you're going to be doing a lot of research on it. So you want to pick something that you can spend all that time delving in and not just be bored to death about. Because if you're bored to death about it, your readers are going to be bored to death about it too. So when you have these topics that interest you, whatever they may be, then you sit there and you, you figure out, well, what's possible with this, these topics? If they're not if they're not possible for a thriller, then you probably shouldn't be using those topics for your idea, for your thriller idea. And, um, you know, what are, the, what are the pitfalls or the challenges with those topics? And what you're doing as you're going through these questions with yourself is you're building the premise of, of what your story is going to be based on. And when you can, can get that and you get the founding idea for your story, you basically have the idea, the premise, that is the, the idea that's going to drive your story, story forward. So that is also going to change a lot based on what genre you're writing in, what your particular goals are for the book that you're writing. And one of the worst things that you can do is say, okay, well, I have this idea and you know my genre that I'm writing in usually calls for 100,000 words. But then you realize your idea isn't really big enough, and then you try and write a 100,000-word novel when really your idea can only support about 40,000 words. R might be the right idea, but it's the wrong format. So those are really helpful things to know before going in. Um, how you get to the point of knowing if it's big enough really has to do with how much forethought you can give into creating the world of the story itself when you have characters and you know how they're going to interact with each other and you have um, the twists and turns they're going to take. If you don't have all of that, you don't have an idea big enough to fill that whole book. All right. Let's, let's take uh, several steps back now and, and go back in time. For people who have been listening to you and I chat for a while now, and I'm, uh, when I say a while, I mean multiple episodes. Um, Let's talk about the way you select an idea. Uh, you have, we've, we've talked about 
I'm, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers now, if everyone can see that, uh, the young adult novel. Right. Uh, you're, there is development going on on the next Monroe novel. There is another thrillerish novel that you've done some work on, and there is a another story that you've you've done some work on that's completely different. Right. So, and and in almost all in in one case you actually wrote the entire novel, but in the others you've just sort of been developing the idea. So, how do you decide which among those projects is is going to be the one that you're going to be willing to spend the next amount of time on. And do not cop out and say it's the one where um, someone's going to give you money to write it. Because that's... But that's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Pretend you can't Um, give that answer. Okay, so pretend I can't give that answer. So it's going to be which one do I feel has the most potential to get me to where I'm trying to head with my career goals. Okay. Um, All right. And, and that's, that's an important part because it's, I mean, you, you could very easily write in a completely different genre and have some fun writing it and maybe find a new audience for your book. Yes. But that may or may not get you where you want to go. And, and that's a question that we all have to ask ourselves. Right. And so, you know, I'm coming from this as I'm, I'm already an established author I have a fan base, and my fan base, when they open up a Taylor Stevens novel, sort of has a series of expectations. Now, up until now, it's only been Vanessa Michael Monroe. But let's say, hypothetically, there was a different novel, and I'm looking, going, all right, I'm, I'm going to give Monroe a break for now, and I'm going to write something else. So I have all these other possibilities. Well, if, if I write something that's closer to, you know, women's fiction in the, you know, literary book club sort of thing, all the other people who've read the Monroe series are going to open this up and they're going to go, what the heck? You know, like this is a good story. Sure. But it just totally was not what I was expecting. And so that is not going to fulfill the expectations of the readers who are familiar with Taylor Stevens as, you know, the Vanessa Michael Monroe writer. So in my case, because I I have that firmly established set of expectations from the readers, Obviously, unless I have a lot of free time on my hand and I can do more than one book a year, which I keep trying and I haven't been able to do it yet, then I'm going to focus in on the one that is going to stick as close to that set of expectations as I can. So the ones that are hypothetically great stories and I would have a lot of fun writing them and I really want to write them, but they're not going to fulfill those expectations, I have to set them aside and and just wait until the time is right or when I, you know, don't really care um, whether I sell it or not. And I would have to um, possibly do it under a different name because there's almost no better way to lose your audience than to not meet their expectations. Because the next time a Taylor Stevens book comes along, and, and for these, I'm speaking of people who are not on my mailing list, who are not interacting with me through social media, because all of those fans, I can communicate to them and say, look, I wrote this book. My name is on the cover, but it's completely different than anything you ever read before. So don't go into it expecting Vanessa Michael Monroe. But most of my readers aren't in direct contact with me. So Mm -hmm. I have to go into it thinking, all right, if somebody who's only ever read a Vanessa Michael Monroe novel picks up this novel, am I going to lose them as a reader? So in that case, it might be more beneficial to publish it under a different name, Um, not for like, oh, my God, I don't want anybody to know, but just so that in the reader's mind, even though if they know it's the same person, 
like in the back, in the bio, whatever, you know, so-and-so is a pseudonym for Taylor Stevens. They at least know that now whenever they see one of those books, it's going to have a certain feel to it. So everybody's reason for picking what they pick is going to be different. But I think the core reason is going to be how does this idea, developing this idea fit in with your long-term career goals? If you want to be a thriller writer, don't go write a sci-fi book, so forth. <laughs> now that's, that has to be the intro quote for, for, this, uh, for this episode. <laughs> All right. Now go ahead and give the cop-out answer. What's the real answer for what you're going to decide to work on next? Well, for me, it is which one, which one is my publisher going to be willing to buy? Um, because that's how I pay my bills and I don't have a plan B. And, you know, when you go so long between paychecks, you get start to feel a little bit like, oh, my God, I got to sell something. <laughs> that, that would be my reason. But it still falls under the heading of what are your career goals. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and your career goals are different than somebody else that might be listening here and are significantly different than mine. So for someone who is maybe maybe has a half dozen ideas floating around in their mind, three of them are sort of, hey, this happened to my Aunt Mabel and, and people have told me that it's, it's an interesting story and someone should write a book about it. And uh, two of them might be mysteries or thrillers and the third is just something else entirely. How would this fictional person decide what to work on? I think the, they would be going, what is the biggest idea? What has the potential to reach the highest number of readers? And just based on generalities right now, um, and you know, excluding all the outliers who are just major in whatever their um, particular genre would be, just as a general rule, romance sells the best. <laughs> And then, generally speaking, comes mysteries, thrillers, and um, suspense, novels of suspense. So based on those factors, um, you know, go, do I have any of the, these ideas that can sell in these particular genres? Um, if, if none of them fly, then you just keep going down the list to which one you feel could reach the largest audience. And just as a general rule, literary fiction, which is just very beautiful words and it's not so much about the story as in the way the story is told. That's the hardest sell as far as, um, you know, making money off of it. But that's where a lot of the awards come from. So if your goal is to, you know, get the accolades and have someone tell you what an amazing author you are, well, then go in that direction, and that's going to be more of the slow-moving, deep-into-characters, um, beautifully, every paragraph just sings with cadence, then that, that's the way to go. So it's really about your particular goals. All right. Well, we've been talking about the importance of choosing the right idea when it comes to kicking your writing in the butt one word at a time. Now, this, as we said, is part one of what will be at least a three-part series. We'll be back again next week, uh, and when we're going to be talking about whether or not your idea can, su can support the expected norms in the genre that you're planning on writing in. So tune in again next week. Taylor, do we have a call to action this week? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's cop out and take the easy one. If you're not on Taylor's email list, you should be on Taylor's email list. 
And you can sign up for Taylor's email list at taylorstevensbooks.com. Click on the Connect With Me button and then uh, fill out the little form. You will get lots of writerly-type information, the kind that we're sharing on this show, as well as some personal tidbits from Taylor's life. Yeah, we should make an infomercial out of that, Steve. That was awesome. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) We should. All right, we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. Bye.